It's a frog! A frog? Not bird, nor plane, nor even frog. It's just little old me, Underdog! There's no need to fear. Underdog is here. Uh, underdog is here. Welcome to Now Playing Podcast's review of Underdog. There's no need to fear. Underdog is here. Hosted by Arnie. This dog will do things that will blow your mind. Jacob. Now that dude knows how to chase a car. And Stuart. These are the heroes we all have inside us. These are the underdogs. This podcast will be spoiler-filled and may contain harsh language. Listener discretion is advised. Don't worry, little guy. It will only hurt a lot. We hope you enjoy the show. I want a full debrief now. Today we're discussing underdog? Half year, underdog is here. (laughs) Starring Jim Belushi. I told you to fear. Mm -hmm. Peter Dinklage, John Slattery, Patrick Warburton, Brad Garrett, Amy Adams, and Jason Lee, directed by Frederick Duchow. I thought it was Fogo Duchow. I wondered if they just picked it because his last name is a breed. (laughs) There's no need to fear. Arnie Dog is here. Yep, and Stuart. And this is the co-host who thinks of his body as a Buddhist temple, or maybe just a Buddha, Jacob. All right, so let's get to it. I know nobody in the world ever asked us to record this movie. I forgot this movie existed. Yeah, so did I. I remember seeing trailers and going, well, that looks awful. And then, yeah, I get an email. We're doing Underdog. I'm like, oh, yeah, that was a thing. And all the memories flooded back. <laughs> yes. I get an email that says, how about recording Underdog? And my thought is, isn't that that movie with Zach Braff? I got confused with Chicken Little. You wanted something worse than Underworld? Here's Underdog. <laughs> And why, honestly, what we wanted to release this week is the latest DC movie in which they tell us that we should care about Superman's dog. I ask the question, has there ever been a good movie about a canine or really any animal superhero? Howard the Duck? I mean, (laughs) how many superhero animals have there been on the big screen? Green Lantern kind of counts. I feel like there was a lot of... (laughs) lot of animals in that (laughs) there was that squirrel yeah the fish guy and yeah i feel like it's a really really tough sell and because i know everyone is chomping at the bit for us to get to (laughs) dc league of super pets what message boards are you reading i haven't seen any requests yeah i say throw the audience this bone and we can sort of just get them warmed up for the idea of a dog and a cape flying around saving us The one thing that League of Super Pets has going for it that this movie doesn't, though, is League of Super Pets is animated. I mean, it does feel very much like Secret Life of Pets and things like that, and that's what it's going for. Here, you're going to get a talking anthropomorphized beagle. Yeah. What are you talking about? My biggest compliment is the animation of this film with those animal lips. Yeah. Underdog is a cartoon. Not only is it a cartoon, it's one of the very first Saturday morning cartoons ever. It sort of pioneered that concept that we grew up with that has gone by the wayside, which is that children's entertainment happens between 6 a.m. and 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning. This is a generation before us. Like, we're watching, you know, Stuart's watching Smurfs. We're watching G.I. Joe and Transformers. But these old cartoons from the 60s would come on, Hong Kong Fui, and yeah, Underdog. I'm changing that channel as a kid. 
how could you be against Hong Kong Fooey? That's sacrilege. I'm sorry. But Scatman Crothers' finest work, maybe? I didn't realize that was him. I'm also anti-Scooby-Doo, though. I got some controversial no! cartoon see, takes. Oh, see, this is my defense. This is actually where I was going, is that, like, when I think about a certain age in my life, I loved Talking Dogs. I loved Scooby-Doo. Underdog wasn't it. You're right. He was the generation before. He felt like Bullwinkle to me. I remember it, but not fondly. Yeah, to me, these were the Sunday morning cartoons. If you remember, we had Saturday morning cartoons where I would watch Mr. T. Muppet Babies, all the good stuff. Yeah, Snorks. What, the, the, all the Atari characters were superheroes. Yes, it was great. The CBS Power Hour, I remember that. But then on Sunday morning, all of the cartoon channels turned to religious programming or meet the press. Look, I'm watching Davey and Goliath over this. I would turn to the network that was showing cartoons, and yes, it was this, and it was Rocky and Bullwinkle, and the time-traveling dude with the professor dog. Peabody and Mr. Sherman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. I hated all of it. I really did. I watched it, but... It was just too old-timey. The animation was crude. I'm talking when I was six and seven. I'm like, this looks ugly. This is a show I merely had on for noise while I played with toys because I didn't like it. Did either of you go and watch it? I mean, they give us some clips at the beginning of the film. I was good with that. I didn't need more. I wanted to go back and watch it. I was short on time. This was kind of a <laughs> impromptu movie pick. And so I didn't get a chance to rewatch the old ones, but I feel like I remember it. I remember There's No Need to Fear, Underdog is Here. I remembered his girlfriend, Polly. I remembered quite a bit. Was he always walking around on two legs? I remember he'd stand up and like flex his front leg muscles as arms, but <laughs> was he walking around like a dog like this film? Or I feel like he walked around on hind legs. So here's the concept. They're doing Superman. By day, he is shoe shine boy. He, like, shines people's shoes and nobody notices him. They don't notice a dog shining their shoes. Like, he's got the cloth and he's, like, polishing the shoe and everything? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then he decides that, you know, I'm going to take some super energy pills and put on this. What I forgot was that he's a klutz and that the cape, he usually trips over it. And like the first episode is literally just how he destroys all these banks trying to foil bank robbers and causing more damage. They tried for uh, slapstick, really. Is there a deep backstory about why he rhymes? Because that's what I'm really looking for with Underdog. No, there's not a lot there there. And what's even more interesting is... The underdog show is only one-fourth underdog. It was a variety show. He had one little segment, and then they'd play Tennessee Tuxedo or something like that. They'd do other stuff, and they'd leave you on a cliffhanger. They're like, next time you'll find out if underdog survives this or that. But the whole thing is really propaganda to get you to buy cereal. This was created by General Mills to make kids want to eat their cereals on Saturday morning. How dare they set corporate propaganda in a cartoon? He-Man and Transformers would never do that. Right, exactly. They had educational <laughs> lessons at the end of their shows. So unlike Bullwinkle, which I do think is kind of witty, or at least, you know, for what it was, yeah, this one felt very crass. It felt very empty. There was very little backstory to it. If you were given the assignment of making a movie out of this, I think you shrug your shoulders and go, I don't know what's to hold on to here. I would be very concerned about that task. I feel for these screenwriters. 
I would wonder why you would do it at all. I mean, it's not like this had many lives like Scooby-Doo, where Scooby-Doo would keep coming back in new iterations. This was a 60s cartoon that lived on in reruns, and then they decided to dig it up in 2007. This may be beyond our our level of research, because like Disney, you have the cartoon side, and I feel like I could keep up with that more or less but the live action side i don't know what they were doing in 2007 or whenever this came out hannah montana yeah what you skipped over is the fact that yes this played in reruns forever and so there is an awareness even if there may not be love that's kind of the weird thing about this is like i don't know who loves underdog but probably everyone can sing the song of a certain age would be my guess so if you have awareness then you can exploit that. And, you know, you just don't spend too much on this. The idea was to do this on the cheap. This is a Walt Disney movie, and I think they only spent about $25, 30000000 I did take it when the Disney logo came with that grain of salt. We are watching something aimed so young, even younger than the Disney remake of Adventures in Babysitting. So, yes, it was a small risk, And playing to young children, they had to know they were going to make money on this. Maybe. I mean, again, I think it made 45 in America and 20 more abroad. Like, 65 on a 25. Like, if it made money, it didn't make much. You know, it opened against the Bourne Ultimatum and the Simpsons movie was in theaters at this time. I don't think it made much of a ripple. It's disposable entertainment that got disposed of. It didn't take a big bite out of the box office? Stop it. I mean, (laughs) it didn't fail, and that's maybe a surprise, but we didn't have a sequel, and I don't know that it started a whole series of superhero pet movies. I don't know that DC League of Superheroes needs to worry that Underdog is here. A true underdog, you might say. Yeah, but yeah, I suppose, how do you make this concept work? And for me, as a bad movie lover, how bad is it going to be? Because yes, when you see the beagle with the cape on flying around with computer-generated lips moving and talking, you know they're in that territory. You know that this could be very enjoyable indeed. Stuart, I was on the same wavelength as you. I actually try to make some predictions. How many farts are we going to get? How many (laughs) dog poo jokes are we going to get? Casual racism, will that appear? Uh, Man dressed in drag, like Mm -hmm. I thought for sure we get a scene of underdog like lifting that leg to pee and knocking over a fire hydrant, like all kinds of predictions. Yeah, I can see it. And that's kind of part of the fun. It's just like, is it the bad movie we expect or is it just a bad movie? I'm going for option three. I was hoping for good. I never thought Brown Arrow when thinking about this. I felt like I was either going to be in for a horrible, horrible time or an affable time. Either way, it was 80 minutes. So I knew that was going to be short. Right. So let's be short ourselves. Arnie, given the plot, we'll get into Underdog. When his career as a bomb-sniffing dog ends in abject failure, a young beagle finds himself out on the streets. It's not long before he's captured by a mad scientist, Dr. Simon Barsinister, played by Peter Dinklage. Barsinister is working to develop super animals to help the government fight crime, and his experimental chemicals work on the beagle. The dog can now speak English, voiced by Jason Lee. He's impervious to damage, he's super strong, and he can fly. Escaping from Bar Sinister's lab, the Beagle encounters a retired cop named Dan Unger, played by Jim Belushi. 
A single father, Dan takes the dog home to his somewhat estranged teenage son, Jack. The two name the dog Shoeshine and are unaware of his superpowers. When Shoeshine reveals his secret to Jack, the two develop a superhero costume for the pup and the superhero name, Underdog. He flies through the city, stopping crime. Shoeshine takes a shine to Polly Purebred, the Charles Spaniel owned by a girl who's flirting with Jack. But Polly wants to only be friends with Shoeshine, as she only has eyes for Underdog. So, as Underdog, the Beagle takes her on a date flying around the city. Underdog's antics draw the attention of Bar Sinister. The mad scientist has been unable to replicate the formula that gave Underdog his powers, so Bar Sinister wants to capture the Beagle and study his DNA. Aided by his henchman Cad Lackey, played by Patrick Warburton, Bar Sinister captures Underdog. He gives the Beagle a pill to take away the dog's powers, and studying the dog has allowed Bar Sinister to replicate the formula. He gives the super pills to his three German shepherds, and then takes the super formula himself, which sets him on a mad plan to mind control everyone in the city. He takes the mayor hostage and has Cad set a bomb laced with mind control drugs, but Underdog gets another pill to reinstate his superpowers, and he's able to stop Bar Sinister and bury the bomb so no one's hurt when it explodes. Bar Sinister and Cat are arrested for their evil doings, and Underdog remains protector of the city, everyone, including Polly, unaware he's also Little Shoeshine, as credits roll. And you're right, Jacob, as they start, because the audience they're targeting has no idea that this is a cartoon, and probably would never watch that cartoon, other than maybe just enjoy the representation of, of how they drew him back in the day, we get what looks like the old show and an explanation for the main characters. Yeah, because Peter Dinklage performance is so nuanced. Without this opening, I would have never understood that he was the bad guy of this film. Mm-hmm. And is it wrong to cast Peter Dinklage as this little cartoon squiggle? I'm sorry, I'm calling Peter out. A few months ago, he went on this rant about Disney's live action Snow White and how are they going to treat those seven dwarves and he thinks Disney is disgusting. Well, here you are, you hypocrite. You're in this. Like, this is not great representation for little people. <laughs> he doesn't have any jokes that I can tell about his height. So I suppose it's not mocking his little person status, but yes, it's nothing to be proud of. And yeah, I'm betting whatever that Snow White movie is, it's better than what he's giving. And of course, it's the era of pop punk, so I was like, who's it going to be? Weezer doing the song? <laughs> no, Plain White Tees are doing a cover of the old cartoon theme. Am I supposed to know who they are? The name's vaguely... Re yeah. yeah. I mean, they were like in the mix, like Blink-187, you know, <laughs> Blink-1392, you know, like they were way in the background during all that. But yes, I guess the one way you could go with it is to play up sort of the superhero elements. I think we know from the beginning here that when it's about a life lesson about a dog that doesn't believe in himself and he works for the police, but because he smells pork loin instead of a bomb, he doesn't trust his instincts anymore. This is very much a Disney movie through and through with a moral and a simplistic idea of life lessons to be had. And that was refreshing coming into this. I'm like, this could be just really terribly convoluted. Within five minutes, I know what movie I'm in. It's one I probably wouldn't choose to watch since I turned eight. But hey, the question now is, how will this do as a children's film? Can it even entertain me? Could it entertain children? Can Jason Lee ever shut the bleep up? 
he is going to talk nonstop throughout this whole thing. He starts by narrating the opening, and he is just a motor mouth. This movie is under 90 minutes, and it's barely over 80 minutes, and I felt like they just cut large chunks, like, especially as we get towards the end with Bar Sinister, like, so we just are given voiceover time and time again to fill us in with the plot, because they're not setting things up, like, I don't know what Bar Sinister is up to this whole film until they just tell us at the very end. Poor Jason Lee, he, what, starts with Kevin Smith, and then, like, has to hang with (laughs) Alvin and the Chipmunks, and now this, like, has he ever been in a good movie? I don't know. He did make a lot of money on My Name is Earl for many, many seasons, so I don't feel bad for him. Mm. It just seems like a strange reputation to have, but I don't know he's going to bring anyone to see the movie, but he has sort of an affable, uh, maybe not quite childlike quality, but you get the sense that he is willing to do it, I guess, is the way that I would look (laughs) at it. Is that what you'd get when you're casting for your star dog? Who's willing to do it? Kind of. Here's what I would do. I would target people that just had kids because, you know, like even A-listers like have to do one for the kid. You know, they, they, they get that feeling that I have to do something. You know, I have to be a good parent. And so maybe you can get someone really good. And then it becomes a matter of like, yeah, who's available to do voiceover work for a week. But in the beginning here, he is just a regular beagle, a police dog. He does think that he's stopping a bomb when, in fact, somebody put, like, a ham in a box of files or something like that. I don't know why that would even occur, but he's being laughed out of the police bomb squad by the German shepherds on the team. He's actually called Alpha Dog. Which is bizarre, because he is not. I guess it's supposed to be ironic. I think they want an Alpha Dog, and he's going to learn how to be an underdog. Why would you make it that little beagle, though? That was bizarre. Look, I I think I'm too old for this movie, because you get this opening scene with all these, like, we're going to look into all these past crimes and this corruption and everything. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a big story with Jim Belushi, him leaving the force and everything. Like, nothing matters. What matters is Alpha Dog's embarrassed, and he runs out and gets kidnapped. And strangely, he gets kidnapped by Patrick Warburton, Putty. And that kind of gave me some hope for this film because, like, he's comedic. I like him in the Seinfeld. He's done voice work for Disney before in the Emperor's New Groove. Like, I enjoy him. So, like, that did give me, like, when I realized he was in this, I'm like, oh, maybe it's not going to be that bad. He seems like someone that is probably funny, but also sold his soul to, like, Disney and like he's the voice of Buzz Lightyear when you can't get Tim Allen. He's another one that has no great career. He was great in the live action Tick TV series. Maybe. Okay. All I can tell you is whoever gave him this blonde toupee is doing him no favors. And I I think that's supposed to be comic booky. One thing that's very striking about this is that there's no visual style. You can tell this is done on the cheap because they're not even trying to make it look cartoonish. Like when they did the live action Scooby-Doo thing, you felt like they were trying to bring a cartoon to life. And here, these half-baked efforts just look sad. No, they're going for realism. Again, the CG animation of the animal's lips, like, it's very good. I I guess they've got that technology down, so it's pretty cheap. Because, like, I thought it was just going to be, like, sticking peanut butter in their mouths, like they did with Mr. Ed. (laughs) What's surprising to me is they really are trying to stick to the cartoon in some ways. They're going to try to make Peter Dinklage bald later on to look more like the cartoon. They gotta put Putty in that wig 
because his henchman was blonde. Yeah, or you could just cast someone that looks more like that, or you could just get a costume designer that can make it look like that character. Here, the level of commitment to trying to do a cartoon that nobody cares about you can feel you can feel the apathy all around and why would you care how do you care what would make you inspired to do this movie well it does move along quickly i mean you get alpha dog out on the street he's taking off his own clothes disgusted by himself when he is grabbed by lackey there and taken you think it's to the pound and the hairless dog next to him is like, no, this is far, far worse. The freaky things begin at night. We don't know what it is. Honestly, as Jacob's already said, we don't have any explanation for anything that's not about the dog. And so I think it's a genetic lab. And I, yeah, for some reason, Jim Belushi is working here as uh security guard after falling out from the force again i went into this totally blind besides my faint memories of the trailers years and years ago jim belusi showed up as a security guard i'm like oh oh no we're in trouble now this is bad territory to be in i just thought maybe he was hired because of canine i thought this was a canine sequel it's a cop that teams up with the dog yeah, I thought those two would be partners by the end of this. I'm like, haven't you made enough canine direct-to-video sequels? Now you've got to make it with a super canine? Yeah, obviously that's why they hand him the work, is because he's one of the few <laughs> actors of... no. He's, he's known to work well with dogs. Yes, exactly. He will do your talking dog movie. And so, yeah, you have this very sloppy origin story where, yeah, a shelf falls over on a dog in a cage, and suddenly it can run through steel walls and fly and all of this. Yeah, it's pretty lame. You know what? You're just hating on this movie. I'm having a good time here. It's pretty lame. It's a standard origin story. I mean, it's Captain America. The chemicals mix in a way that is not repeatable, so you don't have an army of underdogs. I'm perfectly fine with the way this is happening quickly. We're being introduced to our bad guys. Yes, they're a little bit underdeveloped. What are they doing? There's something said that Bar Sinister thinks instead of bomb-sniffing dogs... They should just have super dogs to stop all this crime. So I think he's working for the government. But the only issue I'm really having is what Jacob is praising. I don't think the CGI looks very good. I think that the puppet mouth just isn't quite right. And when he starts flying. Oh, that's bad. Ooh, that did not look good. Oh, no, it's funny. I mean, I actually think it's mockable. I totally... Did you just have a child, Arnie? Like, why are you being complimentary to this? You're the one that's always saying babies will eat shit, so it doesn't matter yeah. what they think of films. No, 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 no. Understand, I'm not projecting on what I think a baby would like. I'm just having a fine time. <laughs> why? Because okay. there's a dog, right? <laughs> I mean, he's a cute beagle. And yes, my father-in-law raised beagles, so I'm a, I have an affinity for that breed. But here, Jason Lee is throwing enough dog shit at a wall that some of it's sticking and making me laugh. That better be chilly. <laughs> you really do laugh at this movie. Yes, I laugh with this movie. Wow. See, and I'm writing down all the poo jokes, like, with big caps, because it's so bad. It's the stuff I love in these kids' films where, like, they got to do the gross-out humor. Like, it's not needed, it's stupid, it's not funny, but, like, it's expected. I never liked this. Like, the Shaggy DA, the cat from outer space... These Disney movies didn't play for me when I was the age that they were shooting for. I did not grow up with Disney movies. They were passe in the 80s. We had Spielberg. And to me, Spielberg knew how to make a good kids film. 
Disney did not. Yeah, in the 80s, that was true. But I'll come out and just admit it. Someday, I mean, we're running out of big franchises. If we ever get to the Despicable Me series, I'll probably be the fan, as I love me some minions, too. Banana! <laughs> you, you like that. See, you laughed. You just laughed. <laughs> but this isn't that. I mean, this is not even close to that. I've seen trailers of that. I wish this was like Minions or Shrek or something with adult humor in there to, to make me laugh. No, but that's a lot of poop jokes and things, too. Yeah, they're not funny, though. They're cringy. That's why I'm laughing at them, not because they're <laughs> entertaining. Yeah, let's be clear. All right, Jacob, maybe you don't like Despicable Me, but like that is a way higher caliber than what we're dealing with right now. Agreed. No, I'm agreeing with you on that. This is like a Nickelodeon show or... Don't, don't diss Nickelodeon like that. This is a Disney show. Yeah, well, whatever. I'd rather watch Good Burger than this film. This is better than most of the Disney Plus stuff I've seen. I, I'm not sure what that barometer is. I know that this is not a good kid's film. All you need to do is see this opening and know, nope, not good enough for my child. No, I think that I would take my child to this and see the superhero movie aimed at him. You know, keep in mind this was coming out the year before The Dark Knight. Superhero movies were going to get outside of that age range. Underdog is one that kids could handle and adults could probably enjoy as well. To be determined by the end of this. Yes. So, yes, we have a super dog because of some lab stuff splashed on him. And then he runs into Riff Raff, which is a character from the cartoon. He often fought this Rottweiler. Brad Garrett, recognizable voice. I heard him. I'm like, I... Didn't even have to look at the credits to know that was him. I think he's well cast, you know, a towering man as this towering dog. But man, do they go dark thinking Underdog got run over because Riff Raff <laughs> chased him into the street. And then you hear this thunk of tires and they're like, speed bump, what a way to go. And they walk away just like dead dog. Yeah, not really a shocker that they pan over to the fender that's been hit. I mean, we just saw him turn super. It's still a dangerous dog-killing joke. You're a step away from John Wick here. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I, I haven't seen a John Wick movie, but you're selling this movie as something it is not, Arnie. I just want to say... I'm selling it as what it is. You're selling it that it has something for adults, and I would strongly argue. No, I'm just saying it's something an adult could find some enjoyment in. I think that is what I just said, and the answer is I don't see that. I really, really don't think there's anything here for an adult. I'm not saying it's like the Muppets where there's a good, right. you know, stuff for the adults and stuff for the kids. The question is, is the stuff for the kids too cloying or is the, the stuff from the kids go down easy? It's not going to taste great. It's going to be too full of sugar no matter what. It, again, this came from a cereal company after all. It's not going to be good for you as an adult, but maybe it just won't be the worst breakfast you've ever had. Okay, so the crux of this, what they have made is a family drama in which Jim Belushi will take this dog home and try to use it to create a tighter bond with his son. Big mistake, right? Like, that is not what we want from a superhero dog. I agree. Like, I don't need no family drama. I'm only glad it's in here because they make a very topical reference. This delinquent son of Jim <laughs> Belushi's. He's making a fake doctor's note to get out of school because he has <laughs> monkey pox. Lost my mind when they said that. Guess what, kids? <laughs> this line today will work. You will get out of school if you produce this note. 
This kid who plays Jack, though, he's not very good. It's not a surprise that this is, like, his second role and he only have one more. And this father-son relationship, like much of the movie, it doesn't really feel like it has a whole arc so much as it has a beginning and kind of crashes. And I can't believe I'm going to say this, like, Jim Belushi is Jim Belushi. Like, he, he had a TV show that I guess was on for multiple seasons. Like, there's something to him. He at least knows how to give a performance. This other actor that they got for The Sun, like, no charisma. Like, boring. I want to fall asleep. Nothing exciting. Like, you're telling me he's delinquent? Because I don't get delinquent from him. No, he is uh, trying to get out of school and what? He asked for the dog to be sent to the pound. So that was kind of, I suppose, deep. Like, but they try to work in the joke of the shoeshine boy alter ego because the dog is going to be called shoeshine. He's licking the loafer of Jim Belushi. That's a stretch. They're really working hard to get that shoeshine name in for that dog. And I knew that must have been from the cartoon because, yeah, why would you pick that name? Yes, the desperation of these elements, the way they have assembled it, to me, it's very sad. I'm laughing at this very, very much. I think it's funny. It's very cynical in the way that it's presenting itself. It's eye-rolling. I am laughing at it for doing this stuff. And this is probably what I consider the worst part of the movie, is the discovering the powers montage that you have in every superhero film. Again, it's doing it in the first act, which is unusual because you had to wait a lot longer for Tobey Maguire to start shooting webs. But here the dog is going to realize he can open cans of chili and move sofas and cause a lot of damage, break the mailman's glasses with his super bark. Gotta have a mailman joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is all very funny in a, in a this is so bad, I love hating watching this. Like, this is called hate watching. Like, you just yes. watch this and you go, oh my god, it's so bad. It's for kids. How could you hate watch? That's like hate watching Teletubbies. Because kids deserve better. I don't know what your reference is for kids entertainment, but this is a very cynical product. It does not have kids' movie heart. It does not have any element for adults. It does not even make any sense. So I don't know where you're getting off on the idea that it's good enough. It fails everyone. And that's why it's funny. I'm kind of chuckling at, again, some of Jason Lee's one-liners here. And yes, the that better be chilly about the walls is not funny. They make that joke twice. And you know what? I do believe that Jim Belushi would have a whole kitchen full of Hormel chili just lying around. I just imagine him just eating bowls and bowls and farting. Cold, too. Just cold. Just dump it in the bowl. And, <laughs> and just letting him rip as he just sits there and his pretty wife serves him more bowls of it. But you know what? I guess I'll have to credit as a strength here is I did say Jason Lee never shuts up and he doesn't. But Jason Lee is kind of an affable personality. In the Kevin Smith movies he's in, he's usually one of the best parts, even if the movies aren't very good. I have liked him in most things I see him in. I hear his kind of hyper delivery is yet something that I'm just finding it's soothing me with its rat-a-tat rhythm. So have him read you a bedtime story. But this, really, <laughs> when the dog starts talking to the kid, you're not laughing. You're not laughing at this thing. 
So we get this, like, little explanation, like, eagle DNA so I could fly and, you know, all that stuff. Like, what DNA? Was there human DNA and to have, it like, a supersonic bark? Like, what animal DNA? Like, they named three powers, and then as we get at the montage to see what his power set is, they keep expanding. And I'm just like, okay, what animal is that supposed to be now? Cheetah, eagle, and something a hundred times his weight. Yeah, I don't know any animal that can go supersonic, not even a cheetah. What can you do? On one hand, I ain't angry because the cartoon was shit. On the other hand, this was written by people. I didn't see any other stuff. Small Soldiers, Mouse Hunt, Zoom, which I guess is some Tim Allen superhero movie. Small Soldiers wasn't bad, but the one thing that this starts to do that I kind of enjoy is just riffing on the Superman. Oh, this is Superman 1 and 2 combined. Yeah. Like, we're even going to go around the world. We're not going to reverse it, but... But not enough. Again, by saying that you're doing that, you're trying to appeal to the older people that have taken the children, right? Like, people that know the Richard Donner movie. And speaking of Superman, we get it around this time with Molly and Polly. Like, it's a weird coincidence. Polly the dog, Amy Adams, I believe, who played Lois Lane, and this is a Lois Lane character. Fresh off her Oscar nomination, and, you know, (laughs) okay. It is strange. I couldn't put myself in the mindset without Man of Steel, but the way Underdog would break the sonic barrier left a ring a lot like Henry Cavill did. Yeah, like Snyder's version, yes. Yeah, like, and then Amy Adams, did Snyder see this and get some inspiration? <laughs> I would not be entirely surprised. I don't know that anyone watched this, but yeah, maybe. But what surprises me is, okay, Molly and Polly, they're set up as, you know, the female love interest for Jack and Shoeshine, I guess we're going to call them still at this point. But like the fact that they're going to go off and what makes Underdog come out of his shell to to mix my metaphor and animal superhero films is that they're going to get like almost violently mugged. Like I'm like, Mm, this feels like a little too dark. Aren't they just tripped and there's like a bus coming towards them and Underdog can like just fly and stop that? Like it felt like a weirdly dark moment of violence in this film. You know, this is where it really hit me. I had to look what year this movie came out because they're mugging this girl and they're throwing her phone on the ground. I'm like, it's not an iPhone. There's going to be a joke where Underdog tells this kid, I chewed your iPod. And I'm like, iPod? How old is this movie? (laughs) 2007. Yeah, right on that cusp before smartphones were a thing. Yeah, this is where it truly, like, this is where you turn it off. The dog hears them being mugged. And instantly is now flying through traffic, flying through buildings, grabbing Subway sandwiches. I mean, oh lord, this is bad. I mean, I get- articulate why this is done so poorly. No, 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 no. You articulate why this isn't so horrible. I cannot believe you. Show me the check that General Mills gave you that is allowing you to give anything, anything to this horrible, horrible film. What? I mean, it's a dog grabbing a sandwich. That's something dogs will do. You are in a dark, dark, cynical place to be like, I guess this is fine if you want a flying dog movie with a talking beagle. These are the kinds of jokes I'm writing down before I even watched it to try right. to like predict where this film is going to go. And yes, my mindset is to be as cynical and unfunny as possible. How cliched can I be? Right. This is the kind of thing you can all come up with as a joke. Like, this is what Hollywood product is. This is how they concoct. So this is what a cereal company would do to sell to children. It's very crass. It's very simple. It has no heart at all. There's not one bit of emotion at all in this thing. And including humor. I can't believe you're saying that this is funny. It's 
affable enough. It's I laugh a couple of times. Were you drunk? Did you? I don't blame you. I ain't hating on you, but did you drink to get through this movie? <laughs> no, I didn't have a drop. Wow. I don't know who I'm talking to. I honestly, the Arnie that I <laughs> talk to about these things, like it's almost like you just said, if I have to do underdog, I'm just throwing up my hands and giving it. Like go, I'll let it do anything. Compare and contrast with a movie that would do something like this better. What is it about this one that is causing such derision from you? Because to me, this is bland. Yeah, no, it's bland. And I think this is what a lot of kids films are like. Like, look, I've watched some of those buddies films to mention some other dogs. Space buddies. They're about little puppies that go on adventures together. I don't know anything about this. It's an, it's another, I believe, Disney series. Okay. But I just feel like this is the norm, the, the cynical take. The stuff that's good stands out because it's not this, because this is what most children's stuff is. Okay, but Stuart's acting like this is sewage. It is. It is. Most children's stuff is very... Yeah, it's complete garbage. Again, cynical. We're making it for babies. I mean, they cast Polly Shore as Pinocchio's voice in a new CGI Pinocchio. That's how crass they are. Babies will think 55-year-old Polly Shore is a little wooden puppet. I'm not going to touch that. All I'm here to say <laughs> is I watched plenty of films that were geared for me when I was this age, and they were never this bad. I would have always hated this. There's nothing about this that's charming or real. It feels, again, like a cynical old man trying to charm children with like a bad idea, badly executed. What's funny is I don't know that were I a child, I'd be able to appreciate this movie as much because I'm seeing the tropes it's doing. I'm seeing the way it's ripping off Richard Donner. And that's some of the stuff I like about it. I don't know why you like that. I mean, it seems like an easy joke to make. Put a dog in a cape and now you can mock Superman. I guess. Don't you think that's what Underdog was to begin with? The fact that he was Shine Boy and had that Lois Lane relationship? The whole thing was a Superman ripoff from a serial company. Yeah, but I don't know if kids in 2007 really know what a Superman is. Like you said, it, the next year we're going to get Iron Man, we're going to get the Dark Knight Returns. Superman Returns had already happened, just putting it out there. Yeah, I don't think any kids saw that, and if they did, they didn't enjoy it. <laughs> Nor did adults. <laughs> I mean, I did, but okay. And I, Anyway. <laughs> which is still more perplexing than me enjoying Underdog. It really isn't. This is a bizarre stance that you've taken, that you're just shrugging through this and going, well... It's good enough. Like, no, this is very bad. It's very bad to have a beagle talking, putting on a cape, and flying around eating Subway sandwiches. That is as bad as it gets, really. I mean, he's got this whole infatuation with hot dogs. Once he finds out that they're not actual dogs, hearty har har, real funny. <laughs> well, my dogs do love hot dogs, and... Did they once think they were dogs because they're called hot dogs? No, but my dogs don't speak English. How many times have I heard that joke in a cartoon? Like, ugh. And Stuart, you say it's bad that it's a beagle. I mean, I feel like you're picking some weird nits. Oh, a beagle is eating a sandwich. No, no. What I'm saying is any dog, pick any dog. To have a real dog and dress it up this way and have it fly around is bizarre. Underdog is a cartoonish character. You could have done what the Scooby-Doo movie did and make a CGI anthropomorphic 
thing that looked like underdog. Instead, we have an actual dog, except we accept that it's flying around in this cape. And it's just bizarre. It just looks awful. And it sounds like from your description of the one episode of the cartoon you watched, like he causes a lot of chaos as he's trying to save the yes, day. Yes. And again, yeah, he crashes through a building and ends up with a sandwich. But I, he's called underdog. Like I f- should feel like he's losing up until the very moment that he saves that person or defeats that bad guy. Yeah, up the chaos. Make it about the carnage. I just, I guess because they don't have the budget to. They can't lean into anything that much. No, I mean, it may not be budget. This movie plays it safe. Like, the ultimate saccharine Disney. Kids love destruction. They do. And this dog is causing destruction, but you're never going to have the thought that this dog is losing until the very climax. I mean, even though he is called underdog, and I agree with you, that would be a better way to play it. This is aimed at the youngest set, and so we're not going to have drama. He's an underdog because he's clumsy. For example, when he breaks up the jewelry heist, he arrives in a costume that's actually like a fish kite. And so the funniness was that he flew through the fish kite and showed up dressed like a fish for the fight. Which they make sure the babies watching this movie know what it is when they're like, hey, watch out for the fish kite. Which I've never heard that term. I guess that's what they're called. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's not for the babies. I don't know what that thing is or why you'd hang it out your window. But yes, they are trying to keep to the idea that this is a clumsy dog that's sort of falling into being celebrated. And finally, at last, he's the hero he tried to be on the police force, but he's afraid to try. And you just check boxes here. I mean, any movie would want you to feel moments. You don't want it to be like, oh, I need a costume. Well, let me get my dad's sweater from his college days and shrink it in the thing. And, oh, you like rhymes? Well, the hot dog vendor is rhyming, so now you can do it. Like, the lazy origin of all of this is why this movie is funny. Why it is Brown Arrow is because it's so ridiculous in the way that it's trying to grab onto the superhero origin story. It it truly is a Han Solo earning his last name moment from Solo, a Star (laughs) Wars story. Like, the rhyming stuff. I'm like, just have him rhyme. He's a dog. He doesn't understand everything about human culture. He can just like rhyming. I did enjoy him trying various one-liners out as his tagline. There's no need to worry. Underdog is furry. (laughs) I'm just going to let that sit there and smolder with the stink that it has. And then you can repeat the idea that that was charming. That's terrible. <laughs> no need for fright. Underdogs got bite. Truly, did they write this movie in a minute? Did they write it in less time than it actually took to run and watch it? Because it feels like that. Did they write it quicker than it took Underdog to fly around the world and come back in a culturally insensitive Chinese outfit? I mean, you know. I kind of winced at that and wondered how culturally insensitive it is. And... It came from a very culturally insensitive place. I'm sure of that. Probably so. Probably so. But in a montage, it's going pretty quickly. I'm checking the time once in a while, but... I think I watched the clock more than I watched the film. You only did it once in a while? Yeah, I checked the time like three times. It's almost like you just totally submitted to this. You're just like, just take me away. I don't care what you do to me. (laughs) He laid down on his back. Yeah. Revealed his belly is like, I give up. Yeah, I surrender to this. If you're going to make me watch this, I'm going to just roll over and play dead. 
But I try to do that with so many movies we cover. I tried to do that with Underworld. But that's cynical. That's where, where is the Arnie? Yeah, you were very critical of The Incredibles, a children's superhero film. Like, I think you barely recommended that one. I recommended it. You didn't recommend Goonies, but you're like going along with this. I mean, come on. Yeah, there's no screaming here. I'm much. This is not giving me a headache like Goonies does. You get my point. There are ways of being a good kid's film, even if you're not a kid. And this is not achieving that. That is not flying over this bar. This movie is awful by any measure. It's awful. It's whatever. (laughs) Patrick Warburton has to put on a dress and hang out a window as an old lady. (laughs) That's how bad this is. That's how desperate. How uncreative. You know, Green Goblin did that exact same thing in Spider-Man 2002. Yeah, Willem Dafoe is a lot better at it than Patrick Walburton. And I'm laughing out loud when Underdog goes on his date with Polly and they actually recreate the flying. I thought that Polly might actually do the, can you read my mind? <laughs> I was waiting for it. I was, <laughs> Yes, it's such a ripoff from that date scene in Superman. I was waiting for the poem. Mixed with Lady and the Tramp because there's not enough there yes. to laugh about. So we'll have them grab spaghetti and eat it atop the Capitol building. Like It's funny because the meatball falls on a cat and hurts it. Yeah, the cat is constantly being hurt in this. Yeah. And cats are the enemies of dogs. They're trying for jokes. I'm hearing that I'm being too hard on this, that I'm not appreciating that this is the way a kid's movie should be. I think that's what I'm hearing you say, Arnie. No, I'm just saying kids' movies can be a lot worse. That shouldn't be the way to measure a bad movie. If it's bad, it's bad. I don't care if there's worse. God help me, I don't want to go there. I can say that this one is bad enough to mock, that I'm actually having a fairly good time occasionally laughing at how bad it is. But it does really fall apart here at the end. I think, Jacob, you said they took a reel out or something. It really does feel... It feels like it. I I had to actually rewind the movie. I'm watching this very closely, and all of a sudden, Jim Belushi is kidnapped, Underdog goes to rescue him, and the next thing I know, Underdog is powerless. Yeah. I actually had to rewind and, like, did I miss something? And no, this was just all told to us. Yeah. When did he walk into the crystal chamber to have his powers taken away like Superman? Nope. It's just, it's voiceover. Uh His powers are somehow put into a pill. I think they gave him a pill to take away the powers and then they took his powers in a pill or... mm. But then they gave him a pill to make him nor... I don't know. It's it's a confusing mess. Yes. There are pills throughout the cartoon. The dog pops pills. It was a very 60s cartoon. (laughs) Maybe they're trying to bring that back. I could have used a, a few pills. But this whole time, I'm like, what is Bar Sinister's plan? Like, he he just, he wants to make some super dogs? And like, we're going to find out, no, he wants to mind control the entire city. That is never mentioned until the very end. No, that comes out of left field. I mean, he starts to go a little bit batty once the chemicals all spilled and he starts putting on that balding cap and has the scar up his forehead, kind of like the cartoon character. Kind of. Barely. But he suddenly becomes very evil and wanting to put his lair in the sewer system and things. But the mind controlling people is really out of left field and 
like I couldn't follow it because it was just dropped and came out of nowhere. I thought he was working for the mayor. Again, there's this whole corruption thing that they hint at. The whole reason why did Jim Belushi leave the police force? Mm-hmm. Just because like he, he wanted to take care of his son when the mom died. But I thought like, oh, maybe he was a scapegoat for some corruption. Like I kept waiting for that to come out and tie up with Peter Dinklage's character. But no, and all of a sudden it's about mind control. We're putting bombs on top of skyscrapers like Amazing Spider-Man with the Liz and Molly and Polly are stuck up there for for reasons. Oh, that looked so bad. That was such a cheap set with Molly, Polly, yes. and Patrick Warburton <laughs> up there. That looked like an SNL sketch. Yeah, the whole thing does. I mean, again, I wouldn't single that moment out as the lone thing that doesn't work. I mean, there's there's so much. Maybe because I'm not a baby, that would just like go. Ooh, there's colors in front of my eyes, but. Peter Dinklage, Bar Sinister, takes one of these pills to get superpowers, but I guess he's not stronger than the three dogs he gave powers to, because it is hilarious. Like, I don't know if that if that's even Dinklage or if they got a stunt little person to stand there as the dogs, like, tug at his coat, because they almost, like, cut off his head, so you can't see who the actor is, but I'm like, this is his demise? Like, he just stands there while, like, the dogs, like, kind of tug on his jacket. So the compliments have stopped, right? We can all agree this ending's bad? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I can't defend the poor writing. The only thing I can think of is this was such a cheap movie, they ran out of money at the end. And this is how they could fix it in editing is by having Jason Lee just record some stuff. Or it's Disney and they're like, we don't care. Just put it out. It's for babies. I actually thought my take on it was that they filmed all of this stuff and then realized too complex. Yeah. We need to just cut it down for the audience that's going to appreciate it or most likely to appreciate it and make it short so we can play it out a bunch of times and make more money. What I'm grateful for is that this thing barely hits 75 minutes, 10 minutes of credits with fake bloopers and such in order to get to an end. Oh, the worst. Those fake bloopers are pretty fun. No. Fun? Yeah, they're like Pixar stuff. Without the humor. You do watch like Pixar movies, right? Occasionally. That's the gold standard. Like, yeah, Muppet movies. You've talked about things where like the craft is there, where someone didn't just cynically say, well, this is what kids like. Yeah, and listen, this is not going to reach the gold, but it's whatever one step below bronze is. Uh, A loser. For a contest that if you were truthful, you would say you don't care anything about. You are not rewarding this as something that you would want to watch. I don't believe that. There's no way. I wasn't in any pain. Okay. Mm. Except with this ending that got spliced all to hell. I mean, all right, how about the the dog is dead and I'm crying because I now like him and all of that moment? Like, that's just phony. Like, we don't buy that, right? That's unearned. No, the getting hit by the car worked better than this. Yeah, all of the things that they're pulling here. I mean, you know how this thing is supposed to work and you can see the cynical way they're pulling the levers and the strings. And that's why this is funny is because they're so incompetent. So Jacob Stewart... (laughs) Do you recommend Underdog? Jacob. So I I try to approach this somewhat objectively, like 
no. Do I recommend you watch this on your own for entertainment? Absolutely not. But a lot of times, like, what if I'm stuck babysitting? Am I going to mind having to watch this with the little kids I'm watching? And it took me back, again, this was years ago when my girls were little and they were nondiscriminate with the entertainment that they consumed. And yeah, if you've heard of Air Bud, like this dog that plays all kinds of sports, the spinoff was Buddies, where they're little puppies. And so we, I like, we're going through Netflix one night and let's watch Space Buddies because that's got dogs and they like that. And oh boy, was that intolerable. Like, I don't know if I watched any of the film. Like, I was looking down, doing other things the entire time. And that's what I would have done during this one. Like, it was very hard for me to pay attention. Yeah, like, I think if you got a group, Stuart, you you could have uh, Mm -hmm. maybe a fun brown arrow time mocking this. I was enjoying writing down, like, just all the cynical jokes that, like, again, if I'm going to watch something like this, or especially like an Adam Sandler film, again, how many farts am I going to get? Like, make all my predictions. You know, how many times is he going to fall down a set of stairs? You know, so, yeah, it's kind of fun in that way, but it was not fun to watch. Look, this is a Disney film. If you're watching this, you probably have Disney Plus. I recently rewatched maybe a month ago Bambi. Like, that's super good. Watch that instead. There is better children's entertainment right. with animals that Disney has put out. I don't know about G-Force with those gerbils or bolts where John Travolta is like a, a super dog. I haven't watched those. Maybe they're better. Richard Gere really liked it. <laughs> <laughs> But this is Disney. If you got Disney Plus, there's better animal stuff to watch than this. This is a waste of time. Again, unless you have a big group and you're having a bad movie night, maybe it works as a brown arrow. I didn't watch it that way, so it was not a fun watch. So no, don't watch this. Not recommend. Can't you say that about any movie that there's a better movie out there until you finally reach like the top of the mountain? Yeah, this is on the part of the mountain that is not a mountain yet. So that's not recommended. (laughs) Red is underdog's sweater. Stewart. Yeah, it's under everything. It's underfunded. It's underthought out. It's uh, underwhelming completely. Everything's bad. First of all, let's just start with that cartoon premise. Barely held together. Centuries old, it feels like. Not entertaining. Nothing that we would actually want to bring back into the 21st century. And then to do it this way, they get all the boy and his dog stuff wrong. That's where the movie truly, truly fails. Is it hinges everything on liking this kid and the relationship he forms with this dog. And it's terrible. They're terrible together. The dog looks stupid in the outfit. It's just bad and bad. And yeah, the effects, all of it. It's so pathetic. A soggy bowl of cereal that I didn't think it would it would be a bit controversial. So I, here I am more perplexed about hearing your recommend, Arnie, <laughs> than saying the obvious not recommend. For three quarters of this movie, I'm sitting back and yeah, maybe I'm letting it be the alpha, but it's just fine. It's not great. But it certainly isn't the deplorable piece of dog poo that I feel you two have made it out to be. It is chili plastered to the side of your cabinets. (laughs) I mean, again, Jim Belushi eating all that chili, like, that just says it all for me. Just the smell of that room is how this movie feels to me. And Jim Belushi is never really a great sign of anything in the 21st century. He had his moments in the 20th. I liked him in the Twin Peaks series, oddly enough. Yeah, so he was surprisingly good in that. Yeah. I came in expecting the movie you two describe. I came in expecting Belushi chewing up the scenery. I mean, we just described the movie, so you got that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I ended up having a pretty good time watching it until that end that just 
it's very frustrating because it's not even coherent that ending it just comes out of nowhere and the question is is a incoherent ending enough to torpedo a movie i've liked up until then i'm gonna give it a weak recommend wow like as an adult to just watch it on your own or like if you got kids yeah you could throw this one on if you have kids I think as an adult, you won't find it painful. Like, if you're babysitting, you can do much worse. But I am just saying, for me, I found enough enjoyment in watching this movie without any kids around that I can say, you know, give it a shot. It's not as bad as you've heard. <laughs> and we'll continue to hear. I also think you've just given a recommend to DC League of Super Pets. Like, this is an easy bar for them to jump over next week <laughs> when we actually get to the movies. I think that you will realize how much easier it is to make all of these elements play when we see anybody else attempt it. This director never worked again. This kid never appeared again. This dog was probably euthanized. It's, oh my it's that bad. <laughs> no, 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 no. Ooh, going dark. Yeah, it, really, it's that bad. I can't believe that we don't all agree on that. Like, I really, I'm still baffled by that. And honestly, I didn't think I'd be alone. I came in, I saw the Rotten Tomatoes score, I watched the movie. I'm like, that is undeserved. And I kind of thought maybe we... Underrated. <laughs> Underdog is underrated. That's what I'm hearing. You know what? Here's what I'm trying to take away. The best that I can get from what you're saying, and tell me if I'm right, I'm going to use a 60s word for the <laughs> 60s cartoon movie. It's mellow. Because it doesn't ask a whole lot, it's, the pill goes down easy, you'll have a mellow time watching this awful little thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. If you want to be mellow, this is it, I guess. The best that <laughs> 2007 could do. Wait, does that mean you got to take an edible to enjoy this? Is that what you mean by mellow? <laughs> I would if I had to watch this again or any sequel, but there won't be. Yeah, I didn't have any edibles or anything. I didn't even have a bowl of chili, but... <laughs> <laughs> See, that? there's part of the Brown Arrow movie night with this film. Everyone's got to have a bowl of chili while they watch mm -hmm. it. <laughs> or a bowl of General Mills cereal. <laughs> but... Yes, we will be back with more flying dogs next week as we finally get to Super Pets. In the meantime, in between, we've got something that is great for a double feature with either of those movies, right? A movie I want to see, nope. Yeah, Jordan Peele has come out with two strong films in the past. His new one has been out. We were finally getting to it for August patrons. So if you become an August patron, you're going to hear our thoughts on Nope. And that's just a patron of $10 or more, and you get nearly 70 bonus reviews that we have done for patrons, and then another one added every single month. All the details are at nowplayingpatron.com. So, Jacob Stewart, thank you for joining me, and until next time, run, mail slinger, run, and never come back here again. Yeah, that was some night. I was homeless and hungry, and just when I thought it couldn't get any worse, these numbskulls show up. Thank you for listening to this Now Playing Podcast movie review. We hope you enjoyed the show. This is way better than sticking your head out of a movie car. Help us spread the word about this show by leaving a five-star review on Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, or your podcast store of choice. I was raised with one purpose and one purpose only, to help people, to keep them safe. Want more reviews like this one? In the archives section of NowPlayingPodcast.com, you'll find more than 1,000 in-depth movie reviews from our panel of hosts. 
Nice work, rookie. On our site, you can hear reviews for every installment in the world's biggest film franchises. I even chewed up your iPod. Including Star Wars, Batman, James Bond, Middle Earth, Jurassic Park, Fast and Furious, and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's clobbering time. And come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com next Tuesday for another all-new movie review podcast. Why settle for just one when I can create a plethora? Support from listeners like you keeps Now Playing Podcast on the air. You can donate directly by tapping the support button at NowPlayingPodcast.com. There's no need to worry. Underdog is furry. And you can join our crowdfunding campaign for early access to new episodes, exclusive reviews, and bonus reviews. Help! Oh, help. Help, help. Help, hello! Oh, my! Where, oh, where can my underdog be? Now Playing Podcast is produced and edited by Arnie Carvalho. You all make mistakes, but I forgive you. Because that's the kind of person I am. Humble. A humble genius. Associate produced by Jason Latham. I'll be the silent partner. Now playing credits read by Brock. Stop talking now. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the views of Enganza Media Incorporated. I told you no. Yeah, but every molecule of me was screaming yes. Venganza Media Incorporated is not affiliated with, and this podcast has not been prepared, approved, or licensed by any entity that created the film analyzed herein. All movie clips and music included in this podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. You know, we gotta try here. Now Playing Podcast is an exclusive trademark of and may not be used without the express written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated. Only thing strong about this dog is his breath. Now Playing is a Vinganza Media production, copyright 2022, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved. Keep up the good work! Arf, arf. And roll, and he only have one more. No one ever calls this. <laughs> and this father-son dynamic. I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, you can keep talking if you want, but like, it's a little distracting. Yeah. It'll just stop. Arf, arf.